Hello and welcome to Be You, Be Different, the podcast of British Fencing. I'm Sean Walton. And I'm Sophie Devote. Here we are with uh, episode one. So some quick introductions just to give you an idea of who we are. As I said, my name is Sean Walton. I'm a former fencer, uh, current coach, producer and co-host of another podcast about fencing, which I would highly recommend. And delighted to be a part of uh, this podcast for British Fencing. Yeah, thanks very much. And I'm Sophie. I'm the Media and Communications Officer at British Fencing. So that's a national governing body for fencing in the UK. So it's my job to talk a lot about fencing, but I'm quite a new fencer, really, compared to you, especially Sean. I've not been doing it for half as much time. And so, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying learning a lot and talking a lot about the world of fencing. Great. So hopefully this podcast will help. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm confident it will. I'm confident it will. So Sophie, tell, tell us what the, the aim of this podcast is. Well, I suppose when I have come into the world of British fencing, it's just a really good chance to to dig into the work that we're doing as a national governing body, but also just generally the world of sports. Like I truly believe that sport can change lives and a lot of the work that we're doing um, to bring fencing to the community, all the way from grassroots with people who may have never considered fencing before, all the way, all the way up to the GBR top level, working towards Olympic athletes. I think there's so much to talk about. So we really wanted to kind of dig in and open up the world of British fencing a little bit more. And I think a podcast is probably the way to do it. I just, I was thinking about it, like, what is it about podcasts that people love so much and they're growing in popularity and it seems they're popping up everywhere. And I just wondered where it came from. I think it's probably people's just natural curiosity, isn't it? They, they kind of like to eavesdrop on people's conversation. Yeah, I mean, there are, they're easy to to access. Um, you can do other things while you're listening to a podcast, and they're relatively simple to produce. Yeah, relatively easy to do. We just sit and chat to each other. Yeah, and people listen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's how that, hard can it be? It's that eavesdropping. I think people just like listening as well. To you know, it used to be in the water cooler chat, wasn't it? In the office, people yeah. would gather around the water cooler, but there'd always be that person sitting at their desk, kind of listening in on what everyone was talking about so i suppose this is kind of that but on a, a mass produced your, scale your, your proto, <laughs> prototype podcast listener yes yeah so we're we're really wanting to talk about subjects and i'm looking forward to all of the episodes coming up as well we are going to be discussing everything from our top level athletes down to funding helping people recruit volunteers and how sport can change lives and the inspirational stories that have come out of the fencing world so yeah we're really looking forward to sharing the future episodes as well. This one, this one is a really great one, I think, to start though, Sean, the, the way that it has come about. Um, episode one, we're talking about mental health in sport and how we can raise awareness of, of that as a topic. So I'm really excited to, to start with episode one on this subject. Yeah, it's very timely. The date scheduled for release of this first episode of Be You, Be Different is uh, 7th of February, uh, which happens to be Time to Talk Day. Now, Time to Talk Day is uh, an initiative by the social movement uh, Time to Change. And the aim is to get everyone to have a conversation about mental health. Mental health problems affect one in four of us every year. I mean, that's a massive number. And having conversations about mental health helps to break down stereotypes, improves relationships, aids recovery, and takes the stigma out of something that affects us all. Absolutely. And 
I think that time to change and just when when we saw that that date was coinciding with the release date, I remember you and I were even discussing topics um, and what to talk about on this podcast. And it was just a wonderful thing to realize that, oh, well, we're going to be talking and it's time to talk today. And we've we've really got to go with with the discussion around mental health. I think it's so important and it's a great one to start with, I suppose. Yes, it's perfect timing. Yeah. And I think it goes and it, it really does make me think about, you know, the stigma and the, the awareness that's being created around mental health. I mean, I even it crossed my mind, you know, are we jumping on a bandwagon? Is it something that is just a trendy topic? Because I really was wary of of it being seen that way. And I think that it's mm. it's not. It's really us talking about this is just one part of what I think is a massive cultural change that is happening nationwide, really, all the way from the top, all the way from governmental organizations, going through us as a national governing body in the sport world, going through regions. You know, you're in Scotland, I'm down in England, and we've got the coach level, we've got the grass, the volunteers level, and all the way to the fans. And this is not just fencing. I think this is just across the UK and across the world. Is I don't think it's a bandwagon. I don't think it's something that you know, we're just doing as a trendy topic. I really, really feel strongly that this is a great thing that we should all be talking more about. I mean, as you were saying, with Time to Change, it's about creating conversations. So yeah, what a great way to start. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, the benefits of, of sport to our to our mental health mm. are, are well documented, uh, improves your mood and, you know, decreases your chance of developing depression and anxiety and good for your self-esteem. Um, so fencing really is good for you in, in lots of ways. There are lots of resources on the, the Time to Change website, uh, which we'll include in our show notes to help awareness of the, of, of mental health in, in the fencing community. I mean, that is, that is why we're, why we're producing this, this podcast, this episode yeah. to en- encourage our listeners, listeners to participate. We've got some great interviews, um, from within the fencing community to show us the, to show us the way forward. So however you do it, I mean, you know, make sure you, you have a conversation about mental health on this this time to talk day creating this episode especially i went working with british fencing and i i looked at what we're doing as a national governing body and i think in that i was looking at our website what resources are we providing to our fencers and in general to sport and it led me to time to changes as you've mentioned sean and I, I reached out to them. I contacted them for help. They have some wonderful resources, um, especially even around how to portray mental health in the media. And so for reporters and things like that. So I thought, well, that's great. I reached out to Joe and spoke to um, them about how to actually create these conversations. And are we doing this right as a national governing body? And, and here's what Joe had to say. Joe, and from time to change, um, it's great to have you on the podcast here, Be You, Be Different. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you're, you're very welcome. <laughs> it's great to be here talking about uh, mental health. That's fantastic. When I first was looking at this subject, um, you know, searching on the internet, making sure we're getting the information and making it as, as good as we can for this first episode of our podcast, I went to the um, Time to Change website and, and got in touch with you folks. Um, tell me a bit more about how is Time to Change helping to create conversations and changes in attitude about mental health? Yeah, sure. So Time to Change is a national campaign run by the two biggest mental health charities, uh, Mind and Rethink Mental Illness. And it's a, a social movement that's trying to um, create a society where people don't have to feel ashamed and isolated because of their mental health problem. So we're all about trying to end the stigma and discrimination that too often people with mental health problems face in the world. 
Um, so uh, we, we do that by trying to get people to recognise that um, one in four of us can experience a mental health problem in any mm. given year. So that means it affects all of us in some way, either personally or that we would know somebody who had a mental health problem. And yet we know that um, the, the fear of being open about having a mental health problem and what that might do to you um, is stopping people from reaching their potential in life, from um, being able to get work, from f- finishing their education, um, to, in the worst case scenarios, not not seeking help and, and ending their life. Mm. Um, so we know that stigma and discrimination is, is a big barrier, um, and yet it can be tackled in a really fairly straightforward way, which is um, by talking um, and Time to Talk Day which takes place on on the 7th of February, Mm -hmm. is trying to get the whole nation talking about mental health because um, the more that we can do to create a society where we can be open to talking about mental health, uh, you know, in in the good times as well as in the bad times, then the the easier it becomes for people to um, seek help and be supported when they are experiencing uh, difficulties. Absolutely. And I, you know, going back and seeing on your website and the amount of um, conversations and things that the that Time to Change has already created. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of, of people in this kind of cultural shift. It's so important to talk about this, not just in podcasts, but general as well. You mentioned as well, people sometimes having difficulties, perhaps with um, feeling success in life, if they're feeling isolated or getting jobs and careers. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about that in sports, because obviously we come from this from the sporting world. Is there an environment, do you think sports perhaps have a unique um, way that they present themselves uh, that can lead to any mental health issues? Or is there anything that we should be more specifically on the lookout for through sports? Uh, I don't think sport necessarily than any other sort of Mm. sector or area um, is particularly prone to it or... Or, or not I think um, there are benefits sport can be incredibly beneficial for your mental health yeah. uh, but also sometimes that competitive environment um, that you might find uh, in more elite sports can create pressures that people then have to deal with um, but you know we always talk about um, there's no health without mental health there's no physical health without mental health the two are incredibly closely linked together yeah. I think the health benefits of being more physically active are, are really uh, well Uh, well known and and it's really nice to see uh, I think a lot of sporting organizations recognizing that that link and um, say we've got a lot of organizations on time to talk day whether that's England athletics doing uh, run and talks uh, we've got the ramblers association doing walk and talks I think we've even got uh, table tennis UK doing bat and chat that that I think sport is is recognizing (laughs) that you you can't just um, be you can't be successful just by focusing on the physical side of of any endeavor that it's uh, mental well-being and resilience is just as is just as important and I think particularly with the number of high profile role models there are in sport that if some of those sports um, stars are able to talk more openly about mental health and it sets an example to the rest of us so for example one of the more most powerful things that happened just before the England World Cup the Football World Cup last summer was one of the England players Danny Rose mm-hmm. uh, spoke about uh, experiencing depression and the support that um, his club um, had given him um, to actually to, to deal with that and him speaking openly, yeah. um, particularly um, uh, 
as a as a black man and we, and we know quite often um and some of our campaigning is very much um focused on trying to get men to be more open mm. because we know there's lots of stereotypes around um, masculinity around a stiff upper lip that you know depression and, and mental health problems are a sign of weakness and all that kind of thing that's incredibly powerful when people do speak out and i think sports stars have a have a a, a very good opportunity to to do that as, as yes. role models um so i think that's really important Absolutely. And I, I've taken that advice to heart. I'm, I'm looking forward to an interview coming up with JJ Webb, one of our top subras. He's going to be talking to us later in the episode. So I'm really glad that he can also, you know, provide that role model and be able to share, um, some of his personal experiences with this. I think as an NGB, what can we do more to help our athletes? I mean, um, what can we do to help athletes and sports in general, support them to increase awareness? Tell us how we can help. So I think one of the, the really key things to recognise is that you don't have to be an expert to have a conversation about mental health. Thank you for um, that, because I felt, <laughs> I felt really, you know, like, oh, I don't know where to start sometimes with that, because I feel like I'm maybe not equipped. But then I realised it's just about having a conversation, maybe. Yeah, them. we quite often think that some of the barriers from people from people stepping in is that fear of I can make it worse mm. or I don't know what to say. But actually, just by being supportive and by having a conversation, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing lots of talking. Actually, it often means you're doing a lot of listening, yeah. that you are showing that other individual that you've got time for them and that you're not judging them and that they have the space to be to be open. That that helps. And, and having conversations generally helps to break down stereotypes um, and takes the stigma out. So, as you say, it's just as simple as asking a friend, how are you? And then really listening to the answer, which is why we talk about asking twice. Mm. Um, you know, we, we have this kind of conversation opener of how are you I'm fine and we move on to something else but actually really probe mm. and go no how, how are you really doing um, or taking what's going on in the, in the news topicalities instead of you know if there's a sports star that's speaking out just using that as a as a way to get the conversation going and and it's finding perhaps the right time and space to do that so I think as, a, as an NGB are, are, are you able to create times and spaces for people to have conversations that could be away from the the mainstream mm. um we you know say fine going going for a walk or just uh, a, a chat over a coffee um or or just kind of taking yourself out the main your main day-to-day -day space yeah. um all of that helps and and is, is a really powerful first step and then if if through that conversation you're finding that that individual does need a bit more support or, or guidance then you know our, our charity partners mind and rethink have lots of really really great signposting um so that you don't have to feel like you have to be an expert or that you have to solve that person's problem or know what to do immediately there are there is professional help out there that you can easily signpost to if that's the direction that that conversation takes that's really useful and so yeah I, i'll be able to obviously go to our website and and check what resources are there and send links um out and make sure that there's as much as possible we'll be linking to time to change dot org dot uk is that the right website Did I that's right yeah if okay. you if you do that or um as you say if you look up hashtag time to talk yeah. um then you should be able to to find us and, and on all our resources that's great joe from time to change thank you so much the bu be different podcast from british fencing thanks again you're welcome thanks so our next interview is one that i i did with paul davis uh, the academy director of the paul davis fencing academy in hertfordshire who has taken up the, the challenge of raising awareness of, of mental health in the fencing community. And here's what he had to say. Hello, Paul. Thanks very much uh, for joining us today. Hi, Sean. It's uh, great to be on. 
we're we're running uh, this podcast with the the topic of mental health, and um, you run mental health first aid at the Paul Davis Fencing Academy. So please tell us uh, what does it involve and how does it come about? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's um, it's something really close to to everyone in our community. It's 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 really come about. It's it's quite clear, like in our community, so fencing, but also further afield, that uh, there's there's been a real turning turning the tide when it comes to the the stigma of mental health. Uh, people are now understanding that it's, it's okay to to talk about the subject, and as such, we we realise that we need to be best prepared to listen and support. And so, all, always through our values with with our with our academy, uh, we we wanted to create an environment where everyone everyone thrives by working together and so we we understood that 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 involved more than just being the best in in the sporting discipline and focused individually as an athlete but also uh, working together because in our community if you look out for your teammate and um, you're also looking out for, you, for your neighbor your school friend um just because how everything's so intertwined and so we we decided that with with it tying in so nicely with our values that we we had to had to be there to best support our kids uh, wherever possible. And that, that came about through this mental health first aid training. So off the back of that, we uh, we launched a crowdfunding campaign to to raise money to deliver this mental health first aid training, not only to, to our coaches, but also our supporters, um, but also those who, who work closely with, with the academy, so, so parents and friends as well. And we were able to raise over £700 which got us the services of a company called Street Games UK. And they they deliver mental health first aid training as and when, so our next one's coming up in February. And yeah, we, we look forward to de- developing this further and making it a, a standard part of our coaches' requirements when they work at the academy. Uh, that, that sounds great. What what was it that, that kind of inspired you to to start looking into this a bit more and offering this this kind of training? Yeah, so we... We we coach over 950 children and young adults a week at the moment, and the the data on mental health first aid and mental health in itself is 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 huge. That one in six children are suffering from mental health issues, and with with our academy, if if you put that into perspective, that's nearly 170 children or young adults a week that we're interacting with that are experiencing or about to experience or have recently experienced um, mental health issues, and then if you combine that with children who who have friends who are in this position it, it's an alarming amount of people who need need that that support and sport is such a great way of tackling mental health with, especially with fencing like you put your mask on step onto the piece and nothing else matters it's just your opponent in front of you and we we realize that when the fencers then come off the piece the coaches need to be there to to offer that support and guidance where needed and ensuring that that these children we we always want to make sure that that we're using fencing as a tool to make you the best person you can be, not necessarily the best in your discipline. And so we needed to ensure that our coaches had all the tools necessary to make sure that when, when kids look back on their childhood, they, they see it as the fun, engaging learning experience it is and not that they were tackling other stressful situations that might not have been in their fencing, but also in their, their social and school life as well. We just had to, we had to be proactive with this and, uh, found that if we could support our community in any way then hopefully that'll have a, a ripple on effect to to the wider community as well yeah it's a, it's a admirably holistic approach to coaching and, and delivering fencing to to the community what do you think's missing from the, the current provision for mental health have you noticed any 
any particular gap that needs to be filled in terms of uh, resources and support that, that we should be looking at more? Um, I've, I've found when, when we started looking into it, just understanding the, the sources of information and the, the right people to speak to, at British Fencing, Joseph Thomas was a fantastic help. Um, he put us in contact with Street Games UK, who even through initial searches hadn't crossed my radar. Um, and I think off the back of that, just equipping the coaches, because they they play such a valuable part when it comes to interacting with, with the children and young adults in the way that sometimes school teachers and parents don't even have the relationship. And so it, it's capitalising on on that unique opportunity with the coaches and just ensuring that they, they have the right skills. And so not only do they are able to identify the symptoms, but they, they can also provide the right support, uh, whether it's just uh, the guidance of who to, to refer to or the steps that could be taken maybe before the issues become uh, a major issue, that, that it can be the preemptive stuff to just keep an environment where the, the children feel welcomed, they, they feel supported, they, they feel that there's that safety net around them. Um, and I, I think ultimately it's just getting the awareness out there. So so having this podcast and this this, uh, this episode is fantastic because it will just hopefully give the opportunity to to people to to look at their, their own setup and see if there's an, an opportunity to step into it there. Um, the, the crowdfunding was was brilliant because it's it's a subject that everyone can buy into. Every, like like we said earlier, with the stats of one in six people are affected by it. If that that's pretty much every, everyone will know someone if they haven't experienced it themselves, yeah, so absolutely. that everyone can relate to it. And so if, if you can if you can get that that community engagement, get the right uh, education and support and the, the support network around there, then I think there's a there's real promise in in not only just our sport really developing it, but um, throughout throughout your communities and and just being there to to help one another. Yeah, yeah, I certainly think so. I certainly hope so. Anyway, that this this podcast and and the work that that you're doing will will go some way towards uh, towards what is clearly a, a a very serious issue in our society. What can we do more? Do you think to to support our young fencers? Um, I I think ultimately it's ensuring that that the culture that you're putting across in your fencing is is one that in, ensures that. Where, wherever they take the sport, you, you're providing the platform that they, they can build on um, to become the, the strong, um, self-sufficient uh, young adults that, that they're destined to be. Um, and just making sure that they, they understand that there's always the enjoyment in sport, I believe, has got to come first. And that actually putting stresses upon yourself doesn't, doesn't always necessarily generate the uh, desired effect. So it's having, have, having the right um, support network, having the right culture. And then ensuring, like like with um, British Fencing, put me in contact with uh, Street Games that 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 could become a channel that's readily ident- identifiable to other coaches. Yeah, that's ho- hopefully steps that more of us will take. Certainly, having having spoken to you, I'm I'm interested now in following this up in my own club, and hopefully that's something that will uh, become embedded in the culture of uh, British fencing clubs. Paul, thanks very much indeed for for joining me today. Uh, it's been fascinating hearing about the, the work that you're doing and the progress that you're making in, a, in addressing mental health issues in, in, in your own fencing community. So um, thank you very much indeed. Uh, thank you. It's my pleasure in speaking to you. And if anyone does want to, to reach out and just get um, further information from myself, they're, they're more than welcome to. Uh, they, they can contact me via email at paul at teampdfa.com. Um, otherwise, through our social media uh, Paul Davis Fenton Academy, and I'll, I'll be more than willing to to help them with ideas or or how to set it up. That's great. Thanks very much for uh, for offering your services. No worries. Thank you.
This episode is brought to you by Maison de Choupe, a fashion brand created by young artist George Hodson, born out of his own experience with anxiety and a desire to help others. Check out JJ and Sophie wearing Maison de Choupe in the videos and pictures from this episode. Maison de Choupe donates a huge 25% of proceeds from some of their great designs to Young Minds, a charity committed to improving the emotional well-being and mental health of children and young people. You can save 15% on their website when you use the code FENCE. So as you heard, um, lots of lots of information uh, for, from Paul, and it was a real a real pleasure to speak to him. I'm really grateful for him taking the time. But it, it did make me think, as as I said, there's a there's a lot that we can do in my in my own club, and that others can do in in their fencing communities to to address this this issue and and offer more support to our to our athletes. Absolutely, I think that's just such a great example, isn't it, of of a club that's taking this on board and so aware of their position in the community and and how we can continue i just really love how he went into that we're creating these athletes all around people trying to be the best that you can be and i think that mental health is really playing a huge part and awareness in in that whole conversation i think it's great i i um i also was talking you know different levels with people running clubs and part of um the research on this episode i i reached out to our our athletes i was contacting the gbr athletes i um i spoke to jj webb he's our you know jj our number two I do sabre, did, yeah. yep in in great britain number two saber and he's number 60 in the world at the at the time of recording um he's been recovering from a hamstring injury he actually got back to me and said he would be very willing to talk about um, mental health awareness for this episode and so um I was really really glad that he he wanted to come along and I asked him uh, first of all I asked him like what did he think when I reached out and and why did he respond and what did he have to share and here's what he had to say I think for me, the, my first response was, you know, am I going to be comfortable talking about it? Yeah. Because I think that's the biggest issue around mental health is actually discussing it mm-hmm. and um, being comfortable, whether it's talking to your friends or talking, you know, publicly like this. And I think once I sort of got used to the idea of talking about it and figuring out what, you know, what kind of things we're going to be talking about, I think for me, it's quite an easy decision to sort of say, yeah, you know, because um, I think it's such an important topic. You know, it's something that affects one in four people in the UK. That's right. So I think it's really important to talk about. And, you know, if I can help spread the word, then why not? Yeah. And that's it. I mean, absolutely. And thank you for sure. I mean, and the way the way that you responded, it, it, it kind of did bring it up because some of the responses I got from the athletes were, you know, it's all really positive, like great that we're talking about this, but I don't feel like I have anything to offer. And that yeah. made me think, well, actually, if one in four people are affected, then even if maybe you're not affected personally, then you very likely know someone who is. Yeah. So being able to start a conversation, perhaps if you don't have like personal experience, but you might know someone who maybe needs help um so i mean um, and going to that i mean you're, you're talking about you did have personal experiences is there anything that would you would you have anything to share around um things that you've gone through personally uh yeah absolutely you know i went through quite a tough time in a couple of couple of years back now or might not even be that long it might only be a year back where you know a lot of things changed in my life mm-hmm. you know very relatively quickly and i had a lot of trouble dealing with it and dealing with the the changes that were going on mm-hmm. and it was a case of you know, almost, it's quite hard to find the right term for it. You know, I was about to say man up and right. sort of speak about it. Right. But, you know, that's that's not always the case. But for me, it was a case of, you know, I was having some relatively destructive thoughts that, you know, coming um, daily 
Um, and it was something that I needed to speak about and I needed to get out there. And luckily for me, I I had some contacts that I could talk to, um, to get the conversation moving. And then I was pointed in the right direction. Excellent. So you were able, did you feel self-motivated to reach out and find out? I think so. I think so. At first it's quite difficult to, to want to do that. Um, because you know, the reality is you're not in control of your thoughts right? and you get all of these thoughts that come in day to day. You get thousands and thousands of thoughts that are completely, you know, you might think, Oh, that's quite a weird thing to think, but you've got no control over it because it just passes through your mind. So at first it was a bit like that. And that feeling made me think, well, talking about it's not going to help it because, you know, these these thoughts are still going to be running through my mind. And then it was actually a case of as soon as I did eventually get it out, because, you know, these thoughts began to get quite destructive for for me and my lifestyle. So then, Mm. you know, eventually when I did talk about it, um, I realized that there's actually not necessarily stopping these thoughts from traveling through your mind because, you know, that's normal, but it's actually just changing the way that that affects you Uh. and coming coming up with a way to deal with these thoughts and, you know, just change your uh, perception of them. So being able to reach out and then have the like the tools, the way to like in your internal like dialogue to yeah. actually know how to deal with it, yeah. and move through it and stuff. Did you find it was affecting your, your performance? Your yeah, motivation? absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was something that really affected how I, how I got up in the morning and, you know, how motivated I was to go to training and, yeah. and how motivated I was to even just do anything productive with my day, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, there were plenty of days where I just wanted to sit in bed and do nothing and plenty of days where I did actually do that. But it got to the point where, although it was beginning to affect my fencing, fencing was something that has always been there for me and um, physical activity when you're feeling down and that kind of thing is always is always good anyway. And I knew that. So, you know, I still pushed myself to get to training um, and that kind of thing and then you know that kind of reminded me that you know I've got three other teammates you know who almost rely on me being there for them as well right. which kind of actually helped me you know stay motivated and, and take takes the pressure off myself because you know I'm not actually doing this just for me I'm doing this for other people and you know there's other people relying on That's, me. So you have this like team mentality mm. running through this. Yeah so absolutely. You, I mean you're going back to sleep when you say oh, I think I have to man up mm. and that almost is like oh I can't but then when you think you've got to team up and, and get to yeah, exactly. these people. Yeah exactly and I'm, I'm glad I did you know I'm glad that that thought did cross my mind because you know we're, we're now in a position where you know we're looking to qualify for the next Olympic Games so that's you know that could have been something that I wasn't a part of had I, you know, given in to, right. to all of these um, destructive thoughts and everything else that was yeah. going on. Absolutely. And that sense of isolation, um, mm. probably can, you know, you're saying that you actually found solace in training and the mm. physical activity of doing it yeah. was helping. But I suppose it's maybe hard to get to that point, to get to training. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this wasn't there. something that happened overnight, yeah. by all means. You know, I was, um, I was seeing a therapist at the Priory Group who... You know, it took a number of sessions for me to even want to go to the therapy sessions. Right. You know, you know, the very first time I went, I was quite scared, if you like. You know, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, the building was a big old haunted building, you know, like big old um, <laughs> stereotypical. Um, Lightning strikes. Yeah, exactly. So there is fear around. Yeah, it, absolutely. Like, what's um, going to happen? Absolutely. But then you get there, you know, and you realise you're, you're just talking to normal people. Right. You're not. 
you're not put on the spot you know you don't have a, a a light on you you know it's not a dark room you know you're just in a normal room talking to a normal person yeah, yeah. about normal things like you know, it's like the british happens. fencing podcast recording studio exactly. it's, the exactly. same kind of feel. it's a very similar room actually. <laughs> it's just that kind of conversation i suppose but it, you know why aren't we talking about it more and it comes to maybe there is that fear or that isolation in general yeah i mean for me it was one of those things that Again, going back to the, the, everything that I was thinking at the time, mm-hmm. it just didn't feel normal. It didn't feel like I should be thinking these things. And the reality is, A, I'm not in control of them, like I said earlier, but also as well, it is quite normal to have these thoughts go yeah. through your mind. Um, what's not normal is letting these thoughts affect your day-to-day life. And, and that's when you need to, as a person or even as a friend, you know, if you see someone, you know, starting to, to go down a certain way, yeah. you've got to flag that up and, and be honest with yourself. And as soon as you come to, t- for me, when I came to terms with the fact that, you know, what I'm thinking isn't normal and I probably should seek some help, that's when it became easier for me to seek help. Right. You know, when I, once I had accepted it w- within myself that I'd probably benefit from speaking to someone and I could probably benefit from sorting this out yeah. properly, yeah. then it was much easier for me. Do you feel like it's an ongoing process still? Um, I, I mean, I'm... I think with anything, it, you're always learning. And I think as soon as you're more conscious of something, especially mental health, I think it's definitely easy to keep it an ongoing mm. process and um, but keep it moving in the right direction rather yeah. than the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, I find, you know, many day-to-day situations that before um, knowing how to deal with them and knowing how to move past them come daily. And, you know, I'm there mm. and I know how to deal with it now. Whereas before before I had the treatment and before I went through what I went through, I think it would have been much harder for me to, to, you know, just move past certain things. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned as well, like, you know, it's important to flag up if you see or if you think someone may be going through something. But I also, you know, with other interviews, and we've been talking about this as well, it's quite hard sometimes to know how to approach someone or, you know, there is that fear of like, you know, maybe there's a sense of like accusation or, mm. or something. Like, have you ever experienced? Like, have you ever thought, oh, that person? Like, I need to reach out. Or have you have you reached out? Or have, have yeah, I have done. Um, actually, mm. fairly recently, uh, a friend of mine went through something, or is going through something very similar to, you know, some of the things that caused, you know, my depression and that kind of thing. So, I, I felt almost an obligation to to reach out and you know offer um, a helping hand where where possible. However, you know, before going through what I went through, I'm not sure if I would. Right. Because again, because I don't know if I would feel comfortable. And, you know, like you say, like there's an accusation with it. And, you know, if you're talking to someone like that, you feel that, you know, you're almost attacking them personally if nothing is wrong. Yeah. But, you know, I would definitely say having been through what I've been through and having the response from friends who I have reached out to, I would definitely encourage, even if it's not something you've been through, to to, to lend that helping hand. So it's almost like a path that you've slightly travelled and there's a feeling it's okay and yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. not this rare thing. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to be able to share that. That's really, that's really inspiring, you know. And I think, think about um, when you talk of in, uh, that inspiration as well, is there is there anyone that you're following in this journey? Do you feel like there's someone who's inspired you to keep going? You mentioned your teammates. and is there Yeah, anyone? my teammates just people who are around me that love and care about me I think yeah um, I think that's probably what keeps anyone going really knowing that you have you know a support around you and yeah. and that kind of thing I, I wouldn't say there was anyone that definitely wasn't anyone at the time that made me think oh I need to be more like this person or I need mm-hmm. to think the way this person's thinking no. it was very much a case of figuring out 
how I need to be thinking within myself. And, and I think not comparing myself to other people actually helped right? Um, at the time because I, I, it was a personal journey as well, you know, like it was very much finding myself and, and being content with who I am as a person, you know, with some of the things that I've done that potentially not so proud of right. in, in my past as well, you know, like it's not, um, it's not all down to one thing. Um, so I think, yeah, finding myself and, and focusing on myself and actually taking the time to focus on myself. Cause I think in this society, it's easy to, to not focus on yourself. Yeah. Everything's all out there and exactly. there's almost like this bravado feeling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as an athlete, there's so much pressure to perform or that those things that can really, you know, maybe bring these factors all together. Mm. So to find that personal journey is like, Oh, well, first of all, congratulations on it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, where can we send our young athletes for help? Do you think that they should talk to their coaches, their parents? Um, I don't think it matters who you talk to, right. to be honest with you. For me, it was a sports psychologist that I was working with right. at the time, Daniel Adams. She um, she helped me a lot in just by pointing me in the right direction. You know, she, she worked with me on a sporting level for, for a couple of years and we, we had a good working relationship and we made grounds within my sporting career. But, she, you know, she knew that her expertise were within sport. So she pointed me towards the, the priory, we set that up, got some consultations and appointments. And then when I got there, they were really, really helpful. But I would say anyone that you trust in general, mm-hmm. whether it's your mom, your dad, mm-hmm. best friend, whatever else, someone that you just think is not going to disrespect your, you know, your wishes or your feelings in terms of, you know, if you don't want them to share what you're sharing with them, that kind of thing. And I think people surprise you. And I think that's something that sometimes we forget. I think people, you know, do tend to step up to the plate when they're needed to. Um, and I think if you do reach out, I think nine times out of 10, you're going to get the response you're looking for. Yeah, I listened to the the interview that you did with JJ earlier. And um, yeah, I'm hugely grateful because while we're trying to, to break down the barriers and take away the stigma of talking about your mental health, um, I've got huge admiration uh, for JJ coming forward to, to talk about his his own difficulties and and how he's dealt with them. So thank you, JJ, if you're listening. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, JD. I think, you know, what a great guy. I, it really is shining a light and helping people through that journey. It's a wonderful thing that he's able to talk about it and also inspire us all to um, keep this conversation going. I tell you, he was, he's humble. He was professional. He was prepared. I was so impressed when he, um, he came to chat. I found that I was almost wary of like, how much do I pry? And how much, you know, mm-hmm. because there's this sort of awareness of not wanting to sensationalize this issue and create unnecessary drama around it. Again, going back to the advice that Time to Change gives is the language that we use can can really change perceptions. So, you know, you don't want to talk about someone who is suffering from a mental health problem or something like that. It's, it's, it's really interesting to me. So it was wonderful to hear JJ's very enlightening uh, answers to all of these questions. He was completely open and, and happy and very, very inspiring to hear him talk about it. It's great. Yeah, indeed. Very much so. So I suppose what we would say at this point in the episode is um, it's a bit of a call to action. Yeah. Um, fencing communities are a fantastic community full of wonderful people but we're we're no different from any other part of the country in that more than our fair share of of our members will will have mental health issues absolutely and we would strongly encourage you to to look at the resources that uh, time to change offer and and look to become a a, a supportive part of uh, 
changing our perceptions of of mental health yeah, in the UK. That's it. Joining in this conversation, I, just to be aware of the hundreds of different types of mental health issues people may come across, and that fact that one in four people in a year will experience that means that we all know someone, and this is mood or it's anxiety. There's people who have eating disorders. There's all of these different ways, and it also depends on the person. It depends on uh, every individual, how they even respond to this kind of issue. So I think if you see someone who is maybe seeming to be acting out of character, or they might not be taking care of themselves, or they're just looking like things are getting to them, it's say, it's also sort of saying, you know, like Sean, it's also how, how do you say something? Because mm. I think, you know, it's asking open questions, for example, again, great advice from Time to Change, but if I was to say to someone who's struggling, are you okay? Then if they're maybe feeling a bit isolated or trying to maybe keep something under wraps because there's that fear that they might be seen as not able to cope with the pressure, especially in sports where there's this pressure to perform. I think if you say, are you okay? You could very much just get a, yep, yep, fine. You know, and it's kind of closing off the conversation, isn't it? Whereas I think to open up a conversation and ask a more of an open question so that, that how are you? Or even like, you know, what's going on in your world lately and, and really trying to really create a conversation instead of just be maybe satisfied with a, yep, I'm fine is a really good tip. Um, time to change also says to be brave to ask twice. So if you feel like you've got a, yep, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, but obviously not, then it could be like a little bit, not probing or pushing, but, you know, saying, listen, I'm, I'm here and tell me, are, are you okay? Do you need to talk and, and let's sit down or send a helpful text? You know, what do you think of that? I don't know. I don't know if it's it's wanting to push people too far, but to ask twice is um, is the advice they give. I think you're right. I mean, there is uh, undoubtedly still a a reluctance in us uh, us stuffy Brits yes. to to talk about our mental health. Yeah, and ask the question once. You're not always going to get the the true answer, so it is ask, worth asking a, a a second time and and give the person that you're talking to every opportunity to to tell you how they are. Absolutely. So on to some fencing news. Action this uh, last weekend in Tokyo in Japan. So big bit of news for, for British fencing. Richard Cruz, our number one men's foilist, has made it to number one in the world rankings. He won, won the event in Tokyo. Thoroughly glorious performance, Richard, at his absolute finest. Pretty much dominant throughout the day. And uh, first ever Brit to make number one in the world rankings. It's a, it's an incredible achievement. First ever Brit to make number one. I just think Richard was very well done to do that, especially to tie in with episode number one of the podcast. Yes, I think, <laughs> he's, you know? he's timed it extremely well. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Great yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he's been on a, a fantastic run of form recently. The At the end of last season, he, he won... Uh, Grand Prix in Shanghai for well second time in a row took silver at the World Championships in the summer um, the first first British fencer to win a medal at the World Championships for I think it was something like fifty eight years um, he won the the season opening World Cup in Bonn and then with his victory in in Tokyo climbs to the top of the world rankings uh, so our sincere congratulations to to Richard on on that achievement and also to his coach. Uh, Jamek Wojciechowski, undoubtedly one of the, the best coaches in the world and nice to see the success in Richard getting to world number one 
reflecting so well on him. Absolutely. Congratulations to them from, from all of us. It's a great, great thing to have happened to us. It's interesting. I've read an interview that he did with, uh, I think it was with the, the BOE, where he kind of brushed it off a little bit. He said, oh, well, that's, uh, that's great and everything. Mm-hmm. But focus now is on qualifying for, for the Olympic Games. So no, no resting on his laurels, no. uh, straight down to the, the main business of, um, yeah, on to the next thing, really. Yeah, demonstrating that focus and just demonstrating that it's all part of the journey and he's still looking ahead. Yeah, I think exactly today, not resting on the laurels. Um, yeah, setting a really great example again for everyone. Very inspiring. So I'm looking forward to um, future episodes as well, talking about different aspects of our Olympic history and the Olympic journey in general. So yeah, listen out for those. Yeah, because our, our next episode actually is... Um it's going to be about developing the athletes of the future. So yes. the, the young fencers who, who want to be the next Richard Cruz and what we can do to, to support them yes. in, in their journey towards the, well, the now apparently perfectly achievable uh, ambition of being the best in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to be talking to some of our younger athletes and really asking what does it take to become a GBR fencer at, at a higher level. But of course, it's talking about the, the philosophies and what, what we're employing holistically. Um, still tying in, it's, you know, talking about mental health awareness, nutrition, and, um, and all the coaches that they're working with asking for some real in-depth insight into, um, what that journey looks like and, um, what it takes to be that, that person. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. Interestingly, they use the word holistic. Uh, I think increasingly we're aware that purely focusing on on performance is perhaps not actually the best way yes. to to develop our athletes and in fact you get better results along with better happier healthier people yeah. in in looking at a a wider approach to to the development of these young athletes and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that episode yep we're going to be talking to them all about the the training that they're doing on and off the piece and and how they're perceiving themselves and how yeah how we're helping them to grow as people not just as a fencer in that few minutes and that that moment on a podium maybe but what happens before during and after that and this long-term career and how fencing can uh, create opportunities and not just for fencers but then onward looking into a career in um, coaching and all the different things that fencing can offer you so it should be good so sophie do you want to tell the world about where where they can find out more about about British fencing and what's what's happening in the sport. Absolutely. You can always go to our website. That's britishfencing.com. You'll find information there. And also find us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter, Facebook. We're on LinkedIn as well if you want to have conversations there. And so, yeah, if you search for British fencing on those platforms and um, yeah, and we'll we'll be able to talk to you there. We're really excited to talk about the BUB Different podcast. So do reach out if you've got any comments or if you want to suggest topics or provide interviews, we would be happy to talk to people and we really want to hear what you think. So yeah, creating conversations is what it's all about. It certainly is. So that I think wraps up our, our first ever episode of uh, BUB Different. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Sophie, thanks very much indeed. And uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Sean. Bye. On guard. <laughs>